Hello, all you Biconics wrestling nerds out there, and welcome to another rendition of the Collision Collective Reviews, your weekly AEW Collision Review Team. I am one of your hosts, Mikey, and joining me this week is the one and only Macho Rodriguez, otherwise known as Luis, to all of us here at the Biconics. My friend, I'm happy to have you back for another Collision Review. <laughs> Yeah, how you doing? I'm super excited about this review. Uh, we have a new AEW signee, which we'll talk about here shortly. And um, I love, well, I love the storyline of the BCC and their newest feud. So I'm very excited for the way things are going on Collision. I think it once again continues to prove that it is the A show for AEW. Mm. Oh my goodness. We'll get into that because me and Adolfo had a good time with, you know, the main event from Rampage. And then me and you are going to have a fun time talking about this match. <sighs> I got to be honest, the first half of Collision this week, I was like, this is gold. How am I getting this on free television? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, agreed, agreed. I, yeah, I can't. Let's just rip the band-aid off and let's just dive right in. So mm -hmm. we open up Collision this week. We have a singles match with the bounty hunter, Brian Keith, taking on the king of the bums himself, Eddie Kingston. I love that he's taking that moniker to be his own thing, which is mm -hmm. really fun. Beautiful. I didn't know what to expect with this match, but by the time it was over, I was very impressed with both men. This match was really, really good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Brian Keith is one of the most special talents that has been kind of hidden away from the real world for a very long time. He has been an indie darling, someone that uh, never really got the chance to shine, but he has put himself in a position to where he uses social media to his benefit. Uh, he has used a lot of the wanted posters and the way he cuts promos on guys, even the way he puts guys over in these promos. Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of his. I think Eddie Kingston is super underrated in the ring. A lot of people just look at him and they, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about it with the Tony Storm segment later, but uh, they look at him and they kind of just see this like guy with a big beer belly and they're like, he just can't possibly be a good professional wrestler. Almost forgetting that some of the best professional wrestlers ever are big. Samoa Joe, Bam Bam Bigelow, Big Van Vader, like Yoko Zunas. These are some of the best professional wrestlers ever. You know, um, I'd like to say his name again, Bam Bam Bigelow, just some of the best professional wrestlers ever that are they don't look like your everyday guy you know what i mean like they look like like you know like a big teddy bear and then they just happen to go out there and be phenomenal have phenomenal matches with everyone and everyone since they've you know unfortunately all passed away all the men, all the guys i've mentioned every wrestler that's ever worked them whether they were alive or they've passed on they've always put them over these guys were special talents and uh, that's kind of how i look at eddie kingston i i hope we don't get to the point where you know if he ever god forbid passes that that's when people start like pulling out this like oh eddie was like so good because i really think he's one of those guys we need to appreciate now because he he's the, he's your everyday guy he he looks like you know like your uncle or your brother he just like and he goes out there and he puts on these banging matches 
what a great way to get Brian Keith like out there, a singles match. And it was was just phenomenal. I loved it. Loved this match. I really, really enjoyed it. And I agree with you in the sense that I feel that Eddie Kingston is a wrestler's wrestler and is like a fan's like I'm a big huge fan of Eddie Kingston. I mean, I love his in-ring work, obviously. He's just completely himself when he cuts promos, which is fun to watch. But from a more personal standpoint, too, and one thing I appreciate from AEW from time to time is, is that Eddie Kingston is very honest about sometimes the things that he goes through, too. Like, he's a big advocate for, you know, men's mental health and things like that. And, you know, talks about where he's been and how it's shaped his experiences from time to time in his personal life and things like that. He's just very relatable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it baffles me. I can understand if you don't like a wrestler's style of wrestling because everyone Mm -hmm. has, you know, their favorites and not so favorites. But there's not a singular thing I can find that anyone has any validity to talk Mm -hmm. bad about Eddie's like personal character of his morals and his ethics. Because when people critique that, I was like, I can't agree with you on this one. I can't find any faults in eddie kingston now maybe he has some skeletons in the closet who knows everyone has secrets and you know everyone deserves privacy but eddie's just honest about who he is where he comes from and how he operates as a person and you know it may come off as brash and a little bit crude sometimes Mm -hmm. but i appreciate eddie more for that he he cares about this business which is what i can't say for a lot of wrestlers in this business but he cares about what he does and he loves what he does yes yeah i agree uh i find it so unfortunate because i genuinely enjoy eddie and and i'm and i'm gonna be very very truthful here i'm gonna be very transparent with you is it easier for me to like a puerto rican wrestler absolutely i mean if if, if you've I mean, I'm from like the New York, New Jersey area, you know, growing up on the island. If I walk down the street and I see somebody with a Puerto Rican tattoo, we just kind of give each other one of these sup. And anytime you find out someone's Puerto Rican like me, like I'm Latino passing. If I if I talk to somebody at one of my stops and, you know, I drop something and I'm like, carajo, you know, or something. And they're like, yo, are you Puerto Rican? Because sometimes we curse and we have a specific way, words we say things where they're just like, yo, and I'm like, yeah, I am. And they're like, yo, me too. And it's right away, you dap them up and you're excited. So, you know, is it cool for me to see somebody like Eddie Kingston, a triple champion, go out there and tear the house down, which that's what he did, people. He tore the house down last night with Brian Keith. Um, So yeah, I mean, is it easier? Sure. But sometimes like when you like someone like that, you wind up liking them for so many other reasons and i i'm gonna say something that i know is very controversial here and i hope it's okay with uh with the biconics but besides punk or cody there i don't think anybody in the world of professional wrestling touches eddie kingston on the microphone like he might be one of the best talkers we've ever had i think when he retires from professional wrestling, we will be talking about him like a Rowdy Roddy Piper, like a Ric Flair, like a Dusty Rhodes. He is absolute spectacular on the mic. So, I mean, there's so many reasons to like him. Yeah, and one of those reasons, too. So after the match is over, mm-hmm. Eddie picks up the victory. Then Tony Schiavone is in the ring, and... I swear that nobody told Brian Keith anything because then Tony announces that Brian Keith is all elite 
and there is a genuine <laughs> shocked and like appreciative you know reaction from mm-hmm. Brian Keith and he starts to get emotional a little bit and then Eddie comes in and gives him a big old hug mm-hmm. then Danielson's music hits because he's next for the match and I was just like oh please I was like listen I'm here for heel Brian Danielson but please don't do this and I was very happy to see that he let Brian Keith have his moment even in the middle while Brian was entering for his match because he wrote took Eddie no not Eddie he took Brian Keith's hand and raised it up and the crowd was cheering I'm super happy to see Brian Keith in AEW now again like you said he's an indie darling I've been following him for a very long time I am super happy for him I wish he would have gotten a few more wins before he was announced to be signed because but I'm hoping now that he's part of the roster full-time hopefully we can start putting him over more Mm -hmm. and getting him ready to whoever he's going to end up facing. And I'm excited to see Brian Keith. I just hope that they continue to treat him like the indie darling that he is and doesn't get lost in the shuffle. 100%. And I don't know how many people have actually taken the time to go out there because the Brian Danielson wanted poster was the first time that I saw Brian Keith. And when he cut that promo, which was essentially like a, a like the best version of a Carrion Cross promo. Like it has to be behind the scenes, not in front of a live audience. Which I don't think we'll have to worry about that with Brian Keith. I think he'll be good in front of a, a live audience as well. But those are Carrion's best promos. And um, when I looked at it, the one thing I noticed myself is Brian Danielson just as isn't a hurdle for him. I think this is a hero for him. I think he genuinely is one of these guys. That like a Daniel Garcia, where Brian's their favorite wrestler, you know, and to see Brian come out and to raise his hand, you know, um, knowing the thought and care that he put into that wanted video, uh, you can tell that this is what he wants is to work this man. And, you know, Brian loves putting over young talent. He loves working with young talent. Uh, I don't think Brian Keith is too very young, but, you know, he's young enough. And I, I just, it was a very special moment. I agreed with you. I love heel Brian Danielson. My favorite version of Brian Danielson is the Planets champion. Thought it was the best version I've ever seen. Goes back to like him being the Ring of Honor champion. But seeing him come out and put over Brian Keith the way he did, raising his hand, it it was a special moment. And I agree with you. I think it was a genuine surprise. I think so. I think it was. And, um... Who knows? Maybe we're getting worked, but I'm going to choose to believe what I believe, that it was a genuine surprise and good for Brian Keith. You know, he's all in and he definitely is. Yep. I'm super happy and I'm going to go with you on this one too. I'm going to believe that it's a, it was a genuine, like I had no idea what's happening right now, Mm -hmm. but it's great. So after this match, before we get to our next banger of a match, we Mm -hmm. get a quick like video pre-taped promo from Mox who, you know, coming off of being jumped by the Rudos of CMLL from Dynamite. I like this promo in the sense that, you know, putting over your international talent that comes and visit AEW. Mm-hmm. Moxley says that BCC always makes sure to study up on their opponents and gives kudos to CMLL for doing what they did. And, you know, here in AEW, we believe in wrestling. We're not lazy American wrestlers. I'm like, that's a pop shot. I was here for oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, I mean, he's not 
wrong? Mm -hmm. But essentially, this promo, yeah, this promo sets up that we're getting a six-man tag between the BCC and then the CMLL boys on Dynamite, which, look, if we're going to keep bringing the CMLL boys for the next couple weeks, I'm not going to complain about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah, I agree with you. I loved it. I I think John Moxley's definitely trying to trump up, like, he's trying to strum up like business because his promos recently have been kind of shot directly towards the big machine. And uh, you can tell that he's trying to create controversy, which, you know, we know controversy leads to cash. So people will start tuning in wondering why, I mean, he's been opening up. Like I believe he opened up dynamite this week with a banger of a match. And that's what he's been doing. He hasn't wrestled a hardcore match in a little bit now. There's been a reason for people to pay attention to John Moxley matches, and his promos are just special. He has they're a little bit weird sometimes, you know. I, it's hot. It's hard to follow them at times. But if you like listen to them a couple times, which I tend to do because I really genuinely enjoy listening to John Moxley talk. That's why I I preferred listening to him tell me his story when i i listened to his audiobook uh, you know after reading it i was like oh it's so much better with him telling me the story and yeah i just thought to myself what a great way to get over another group of guys now we have the cmll that's going to come in and they're going to work this hybrid of a technical brawler lucha style i mean these matches are going to be phenomenal and what i love about the bcc is very much like like a team like the FTR. Like I don't give the FTR a lot of credit, but the one thing I will say is they'll put anybody over. They don't win all their matches, which is what I love about the BCC. Them losing because they're all established stars except for, you know, uh Wheeler. He's cuz he's still establishing himself, but they're established stars that they don't need to win every match. They've been in the business for over 2 decades. So them losing matches now is just helping the future of the business. And it doesn't look like a joke. I, I I love it. I love it. Which led to this next match, which, you know, was just wow. Look, me and Adolfo got a preview with all eight men on the Rampage main event. And now we mm-hmm. get this one-on-one match. Danielson versus Echizero. <laughs> First mm-hmm. and foremost, Echizero's entrance is by far one of the best things that I've seen I love that entrance with the whole alchemist, the fire, the mysticism that comes with Lucha Libre. I loved it so much. And this match was just as so good. Mm -hmm. Like there are not enough words in the English dictionary to explain how entertained I was. But also, man, Echi Zero taking Danielson, you know, tit for tat and keeping up with him from the technical standpoint i'm like and it goes to what you said earlier when american western audiences think of lucha libre the first thing they go to is always the high flying stuff which is Mm -hmm. a part of lucha libre Mm -hmm. but just like any other promotion you have your bruiser luchadors you have your technical luchadors Mm -hmm. and this is this was a perfect example to showcase the collision between different styles of technical wrestling and uh this was a work of art for me i love this match so much this was spectacular it reminded me uh edgy settle really doesn't remind me of like your traditional 
uh, old school like El Santo or Mi Mascaras or, you know, uh, even closer to like Ray or Hoovy. I, I hope I'm making this comparison correctly, but I feel like he reminds me of like the Mexican version of Conan, like that type of wrestler. And I love that you said that, that Lucha doesn't always have to be high flying because we've had some really great superstars that aren't high flyers. Like, you know, as much as he's as controversial as he is, but Alberto Del Rio is a great in-ring performer. Conan's a great in-ring performer. Before all of his substance abuse issues, Vampiro was a great in-ring performer. Like we've had some different styles in you know, Lucha wrestling, and this was that, and it's the first time in a very long time I've seen Brian work a guy like this, and it, it, I agree, I thought this was a work of art, I was like, man, this was, and, and I couldn't find a mistake in the match, I couldn't find a botch, I couldn't find, it was crisp and clean, and I was like, oh my god, <clears throat> it just, it made me a little sad inside, because I was like, man, we never got a Brian versus Eddie match. And this this is the closest we're ever uh, going to get to something like that. Right. And what I appreciated from this match, very too, from just an in-ring psychology and storytelling standpoint, Danielson won, but he barely won yeah. because he had to quickly pin up Echi Seto for the win after going for almost 15 whole minutes with the man. And then you still make Echi Seto intimidating because of the foot on the neck afterwards mm. and then claudio coming out for the save which is setting up the six-man tag for dynamite i thought this match was amazing and i'm gonna be honest for me this was i really enjoyed the main event but this was my match of the night only because this had a lot of the stuff that's on my checklist that i love in a match mm -hmm. it had good storytelling it had good technique technical prowess i love danielson this is my, I've known of Echi Seto, but this is my first introduction to mm -hmm. seeing him on my screen. And I like what I see. So I'm a big fan and it makes me go. I definitely want to check out more of CMLL, you know, when I get the chance. I'm just happy to see good representation on my mm -hmm. screen when it comes to wrestling. And don't get me wrong, I love Ray, but I'm happy to see that there are other wrestlers out there that can cement their legacy mm -hmm. and hopefully this relationship that aew is working with cmll hopefully it blossoms into something more because i would love to see more crossover between these two companies mm -hmm. and get to the point where it's the same thing as someone who covers the tna shows i love the relationship that tna and triple a have with each other yeah i just want more international stars on my western agreed. wrestling television agreed I want it so bad. Mm -hmm. But like I said, Claudio comes out for the save. Sets up for our six-man on Dynamite. Speaking of six-man, quick backstage interview slash promo from FTR Garcia. Or FT Garcia is what we're, I'm calling them now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which, you know, say what you will. I've said some things about FTR, about their characters being bland and boring. But one thing I agree with you is, is that they are never afraid to put anyone over or work with the younger talent. And I mean, pfft, I love Daniel Garcia. I don't care. The dancing gimmick might be corny and sticky, but I love it. But it's slowly <laughs> but, going away. Yeah, it's slowly going away because now we're getting professional wrestling Daniel Garcia and a sports entertainer Daniel Garcia. Mm -hmm. I will admit the ending of the match where all three of them did the dance was kind of hilarious. And I like seeing that. Yeah. 
But this ultimately sets up for them that, you know, they're establishing themselves as this weird new trio. Is it going to last long? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But tonight, the three of them are on the same page and they're going to be taking on the patriarchy to see where that match goes. Mm-hmm. So then, unannounced to me, we get a singles handicap match, even though they didn't call it a handicap match, but it was a handicap match. Hook taking on the Outrunners. As an ROH guy, it hurt me to see as soon as I saw the Outrunners. I'm like, oh, you're going to get squashed, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm kind of glad that it wasn't a one-sided squash. I'm a huge fan of the Outrunners, and I understand why ROH talent is making appearances on Collision because taping schedules have Collision and Ring of Honor being taped on the same days. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed seeing this match. The Outrunners, they're very funny, but they're also pretty good in the ring too. And Ring of Honor also showcases that as well. I mean, it makes sense that Hook won. But I'm just wondering, what are we doing now? Because my biggest question after losing to Joe, we totally want to keep Hook on television. But we're kind of doing the same thing that we did with him last year, where he's just having these squash matches and Mm -hmm. continuing to build wins. I want to start to see Hook in storylines. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. I agree with you. I personally believe that they they've taken some. Whether anybody wants to admit this or not, they've taken some notes from the big machine, and we we see them in this show alone. I saw two things. This was one, and then the Tony Storm segment was another one, because this one is everything I've been asking for of Hook. I think he's got a great look to him. I think he's got a uh, he looks uh, he's getting better and better in the ring and. I want to see them Dominic Mysterio, this guy. I want to see him in every single show, Collision, Rampage, uh, Dynamite. Give this guy ring time. Let him. He's never going to get better just practicing in the back. He's never going to get better. Don't let this be Jade Cargill because she's going to go over and she's going to do better. And, you know, it's because she's going to have tons of time in the ring. That's what we need from Hook. We need him to have match after match after match. And I agree with you. It sucks to see the Outrunners in a position like this, but it benefits someone like Hook because he's clearly somebody they're pushing towards the future. And if he has multiple matches with good in-ring talent, instead of working your local jobbers, you know, or I don't want to say jobbers. I'm sorry. I guess that's offensive now. But your local talent, then... You know, he has the opportunity to be like, oh, I'm working these guys that are on TV. I'm working these guys that know the squared circle inside and out. Let me continue to do that and let them put him in that great position. So that way, all of a sudden, it's going to be like a switch just flipped on and Hook's going to be people are going to be like, holy crap, Hook is really good in the ring. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And you can tell that that was the whole point. They gave us the match with Samoa Joe, and I liken that Samoa Joe match to the Jericho Triple H match, the match that never happened on Monday Night Raw, where they put the title on Jericho for him to relinquish it later. I believe that was a test. Let's see how the crowd reacts to you possibly being a future world champion. Go back and watch that. Anybody. The crowd lost its mind. That's how people are with Hook. They love him. So... Let's capitalize on that. Keep putting him in the ring with really good talent. You know, have him get that. But he does have to take more heat, though. He's not taking enough heat. He's got to work from the bottom. He's got to take some some 
pages out of a guy like a Kenny Omega or the Bucks or Shawn Michaels or Brian. He needs to take heat because that's the only way his character is going to progress. And if he continues to go out there and squash guys, he's just going to be put in a Goldberg position and you know he's going to wind up hurting someone and it's just not going to work. He has to learn to take more heat. Right. And we'll see what happens. I like Hook. I just want him to start to be more prominent in the story aspect of, you know, the triangle that is wrestling mm. between character Agreed. and ring talent and storyline. Speaking of storylines, it seems that we're starting a new one. So Tony Schiavone calls out Mark Briscoe and kind of recaps what happened last week during the cage match where House of Black tried to incapacitate Garcia, which then Briscoe was supposed to be the replacement to mm. help FTR in that match. And then Mark Briscoe got beat up by House of Black before he got a chance to get in. And so, you know, he's talking about that experience, but he's also talking about, you know, he has this renewed passion and this vigor for wrestling. And then he's interrupted by House of Black, who basically, you know, play mind games with Mark Briscoe that they can come to him and they can ruin his life at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Malachi Black snaps the fingers, lights come back on, Tony Schiavone is nowhere to be seen. And Mark Briscoe's looking around the ring, and then he celebrates with the crowd before, you know, ending the segment. I f- the only critique I have is I feel that ending segment with Mark by himself after House of Black is done on the screen kind of, like, pandered on a little too long. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I am weirdly supporting this feud between Mark Briscoe and the House of Black, only maybe because it keeps House of Black relevant for mm-hmm. me, and I get they're not going to be okay. You're done with FTR, so we're going to put you to the side now. And this is what I've been wanting for both: more House of Black, and to finally actually see Briscoe be involved in something outside of helping his friends, and then also not really doing much of anything else either (laughs) agreed agreed yeah i mean when i look at um anything mark briscoe does i think is gold i think he's a phenomenal in-ring performer i love the fact that his new finisher is his brother's finisher i love the fact that he is a ring of ring of honor like royalty and then has moved up to be slowly but surely one of the most over superstars in aew i mean the way the crowd reacts to him and talk about not having a look. I mean, this dude is missing his front teeth and people don't give a crap. They're like, yo, this is us. He's a chicken farmer. He 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 loves his family. I mean, this is one of those special things and he's so good in the ring. Um, hopefully one day he'll be as good as his brother was because his brother was ugh, just one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Uh, God rest his soul. But... Yeah, when I watch Mark, I I love it. And there's been a lot of rumors that Malachi and Buddy are going over to the big machine. So good on them if this is their way to say goodbye, to give Mark his biggest win in the company. And I, I just think that that, that's a, that speaks to people like Malachi and Buddy just as professionals. and Because I don't believe AEW has really good producers. I don't believe that they have producers that run every single match. You can kind of tell with some of like the mistakes happening in matches and stuff um how lost wrestlers look that's what i'll say is how lost they look and how much they wait for a spot like just stand there and wait for an off the top rope spot but when you have a guy like malachi and mark briscoe and buddy guys that are genuinely or even brody i'm sorry i don't mean to disparage brody 
uh, just having guys like that all work together, I think this is a match made in heaven. I'm excited for what's coming. I wonder who Mark teams up with. You know, like, who's going to be his person? I genuinely thought Mark was going to join the FTR instead of Daniel Garcia, but I'm happy the way it's playing out. Let's let's keep Mark on his own. Let's keep him solo. Right. Because I think the big thing is, is that, you know, unfortunately, with the passing of his brother, I feel that pushing him as a single star, I think, is a good way to go. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm excited to see what kind of n- great wrestling, as well as maybe per- some nonsense Mm-hmm. we can get from mark briscoe interacting with house of black so this is going to be fun then we get a quick segment from adam copeland that pretty much recaps all the open challenges that he's has and i was reminded i was like dang copeland has had some really fun matches within the last month or so between guys like griff garrison mm-hmm. moriarty dante martin murder grandpa himself suzuki, minoru suzuki and what i'm very interested in because i'm kind of cheating a little bit with ft garcia picking up the win against the patriarchy i would love there to be copeland versus garcia and that end up winner goes on to face christian for the title next which i think would be fantastic love that and it yeah yeah so i hope that's the direction we're going for and look copeland's just living his best life at this point he gets Mm -hmm. to have fun and i think that's the biggest thing for him he's not here looking Winning championships obviously is something that every wrestler wants to do at some point. Mm-hmm. But I get the feeling that Copeland is in his era where he's like, I just want to have fun and I'm mm-hmm. willing to put, you know, work with younger guys I've never got to work with before and still, you know, showcase them in a way that makes sense, which I love. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite of the open challenges probably has to be Dante, only because Dante's a little more seasoned. But I really have enjoyed everything Copeland has done post losing. <laughs> Yeah, Christian. <laughs> I mean, I was a big proponent of the uh, Edge and Christian po- Reeking of Awesomeness podcast. I listened to every single episode. I have not, mi- I did not miss a single one. And the one thing I remember that I talked to Tyler on um a, a, a lot about is a lot of what Copeland is doing now is what he talked about doing for years. He talked about working guys like Finn Balor. That was a special match he wanted he talked about working guys like roman he talked about working guys like ftr he wanted that was like his favorite tag team the way he talked about them there is episodes upon episodes of him talking about the revival like you can tell um on austin's podcast a while back brian was on it and he talked about how he doesn't need titles anymore he wants to put over guys like Heath slater you know drew gulak Jinder Mahal. He wanted to do that to further professional wrestling. He felt like that's what he was meant to do. And you can tell that Cope's trying to do the same thing. Like, hey, let me just go out here. Let me stay away from the title picture. Let me stay away from your top guys. And let me help establish your younger guys. So, I mean, I'd like the next Cope open to be Brian Keith because I think that would be a great uh, push for him too. Like, let's start him off hot right away. Let's start him off hot. Give, give us that moment. That'll be smart. Oh man, I I love that idea, and I'm here for it. And I'm I'm just happy to see Copeland enjoying himself, which I think is mm-hmm. something that I think he knows he's a, entering the final like stage in his career. Not to say he's going to retire within the next couple months, but he's in what I affectionately call the like grandparent stage, where he's seen all these kids who have been inspired growing up watching 
Copeland wrestle, and now he gets a chance to kind of be the fun grandparent where he hypes them up on sugar by wrestling them and then sending them back to their parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I love it so much. Speaking of things that I love, this was our first women's match of the night. Serena D taking on Queen Aminata. Look, Queen is all over the place right yeah. now in the sense that she's almost on every single AEW and she's in Ring of Honor too. Mm-hmm. I want her to get a substantial win, but man, Queen has risen through the ranks because she must have impressed a bunch of people backstage because she's on almost every single show every single week. I mean, me and Adolfo got to see her go up against Willow, which was a phenomenal match on Rampage. And here she gets she gets to fight Serena Deeb, who, in mm. my opinion, is one of the top women's wrestlers right now in any company, just Agreed. from a technicality standpoint. She is the professor of many holds, in mm. my opinion. Serena knows everything. And I thought this was a really fantastic match. I was a little worried because it is Serena Deeb. I thought this was going to end up being a lot quicker than it ended up being, but... I have to say, first and foremost, I think Queen held her own for a lot of this. But of course, it's Serena. If one hold's mm-hmm. not going to get you, she's going to has like five others up her sleeve. But it was also nice to see Serena have to kind of work for the win a little bit, too. Yeah, I agree. I thought, yeah, I've kind of I kind of feel like Queen has taken Willow's spot in terms of being on every show, because there was a while there where Willow was being showcased like every show it wasn't just weekly it was every single show she was on and it was like okay this is our next big thing like we're gonna do this and i I do believe willow is still that superstar i still believe she will be like the top female in this company a hundred percent but when i look at queen i'm like okay there there's definitely plans in place for her and anybody who has an issue with this i ask you i beg you please go back and watch what they did with julia hart because whoever came up with that character, whoever came up with the way they did it, they did it in such a graceful way that now Julia looks phenomenal out there. Uh, Serena Deeb, I made a comparison when I was watching this show because we have like Deanna Perrazzo, which is kind of like the William Regal-ish, and she actually talks a lot like Regal. She's very like methodical. And I thought this about Serena Deeb, and I, I hope this doesn't happen to her. She reminds me of Lance Storm. And the biggest knock on Lance Storm was that he was one of the best in-ring performers in the world, but he just had little to no personality. So I just want Serena to, like, just cut some promos. Like, you know, talk about how you're dominating these people. Like, just use what's in front of you instead of having to improv on the mic just use what's in front of you just kind of go out there and be like last week i beat queen you know she she tried her best to ruin my streak and just kind of like feed into the crowd let let it slowly come up until you until you can actually be more like um comfortable in front of a live audience because i've seen serena be very entertaining when she was a part of this straight edge society so we know she has it in her but she's been off tv for so long i think she needs to refine that skill if not she's going to fall into the landstorm category which is just going to be yeah you're, we're going to get a great wrestling match out of her but at this point in 2024 we need a little bit more than just a good in-ring performance right you need to have the trifecta of being able to have good in-ring talent also be able to have decent chromo skills. But then you also have to have, you know, 
a shot of charisma here and there. And honestly, I think if for me personally, I think if Serena kind of channels what we got in those little vignettes prior to her mm-hmm. returning, just being just like, I'm a student of this game, I'm a t- teacher of this game. There's not anything anyone can throw at me that I haven't already calculated in my head to do. So mm-hmm. if you want to try it, I dare you to come at me and I'll show you why I am the best at what I do. Agreed. If she goes that route, I would love to see Serena kind of be this semi-heel cocky, but not cocky, but confident because mm-hmm. we know she has the skill set. Agreed. Agreed. Let the crowd dictate if she's a heel or face like like they like they did with Kurt Angle. Kurt wanted to be a babyface. Vince thought that he was a heel. He neither one of them agreed with the other person. He went out there for Sunday Night Heat and he got booed out of the building. Let the crowd dictate where we're going to move with Serena. And then I believe that once they do that, then she can move into a spot that's more comfortable for her, but she's already got one of the she's got the bottom part of the triangle. The in-ring performance, I mean, I I don't think and I, and, I, and I say this very confidently. I don't think there's very many women in the world that can compete with her in the ring. I think we need to start talking about her in-ring technical ability with some of the guys. She is, when I, when I look at her, I immediately start making, like you heard it, Lance Storm, William Regal, uh, uh, Roderick Strong. Like I, I'm starting to see these types of comparisons or, or I'm starting to see these things and I'm like, wow, man, she's... She's very, very clean in the ring. It's very effective and, you know, everything leads. It's a perfect story. She's telling us bell to bell, like, when I do this move, I do this move because the next one makes sense. And when I do the next move, it's because of this. It's even her banging on the knee and then putting on her finish. Like, it's like, I was banging on the knee and it's like, why are you doing that? And all of a sudden she puts on the half crab or I forget what she calls it, the serenity, I think. And um, it made sense. She's finishing up work in that area. Like, she's such a good in-ring performer, and I appreciate in-ring wrestling so much. So I'm hoping she just continues to move up. I 100% agree. I'm happy to see Serena back on my screen, and here's hoping that Collision continues to use her to her best ability. We go from this match into our next in-ring segment with Tony Schiavone, and he calls down Swerve Strickland. So Swerve, you know, reminds everybody that it is Black History Month and names some of, you know, great African-American wrestlers currently in the business right now. Shout out to Kofi Kingston. I was also very happy that he mentioned Athena because Athena is the best Ring of Honor world champion, men or women. She held down the Ring of Honor all last year Agreed. and is still continuing to do so. And Swerve just cuts a promo. You know, Tony asks him about his upcoming match with Hangman on Dynamite. Winner goes on to face Joe at Revolution. And Swerve just basically reiterates that he's 2-0 with Hangman and Hangman needs to prove something, so he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he basically tells Nana... Eh, and Mogul Embassy, lesser extent, we are family, but this is a business. No interferences because he doesn't want to give any. He doesn't want to give any excuse to Hangman of why he lost because now it's just going to be a one-on-one. Which mm-hmm. I really like seeing this kind of pinpoint for Swerve, where he is confident in his abilities as a heel and as a wrestler. He's like, look. I'm not going to give Hangman the pleasure of complaining that he lost because of interference. So nobody's allowed at ringside and 
then when I beat Hangman, there's going to be no excuses, which. Look, I'm a big fan of Swerve. I thought this did its job in setting up what we're getting next week. My only concern is, is that I need to see how Dynamite plays out because while I'm excited to have Hangman and Swerve kind of swimming around Samoa Joe and the title scene, I feel that, and this is just me personally, I feel that we've kind of pushed them to into this situation a little faster than I would have liked, but I'm still here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that... Again, I have to wait to see what Dynamite has because I don't... I mean, I feel like Hangman can lose to Swerve, but then I don't want Swerve to go one-on-one with Joe just yet at Revolution because then he's going to lose that Revolution, mm-hmm. which is something I don't want to see Swerve do yet. I don't want to see Swerve lose yet. So, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm curious. I I don't think AEW is going to do back-to-back long-term champions. So, I think Joe has the title so he could drop it to Swerve. I think that's the whole plan. That's the way that's the way it kind of feels to me. I don't think that Joe beat MJF because he was going to be this long-term champion for the top of the company. I believe he beat MJF because MJF was hurt and they needed to move on from him. Or else I think we were going to get Swerve versus MJF and MJF was going to drop it to Swerve. But I don't think he could have made it. Like they needed to build Swerve up a little bit more. I think he does pick up the third win on Hangman, which were which helps because as soon as he picks up that win, now we immediately have a feud for Swerve. His first title match, his first title person could be Hangman. And Hangman could lose to him over and over and over. It's not going to hurt him. He's one of the best in-ring performers in the company. And even if he moves to the back of the line, kind of like the cope open type of thing where he just starts working, he jumps back into a tag until maybe a year down the road. I just kind of see Swerve as the guy that I think he's being positioned and Tony hasn't really given us situations like this. Like he mentions Black History Month. He mentions Ron Simmons, Kofi Kingston, Athena. He mentions this stuff and he is really big on, you know, wanting to be the first black AEW champion. This is his deal. Now, the only thing that pops out to me that makes me a little bit leery that he may not win even against Hangman Adam Page is Prince Nana's reaction to being told he's not going to be at ringside and that no one's going to be at ringside. It's almost like, oh, you you think you got here without us? Like I'm 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 wondering if that's the story being played out. So that's my only concern. Yeah, I hope not. I really don't. And, you know, yeah, there's only the really only one way it can be is, is that I don't. I mean, while it might be interesting, I don't see Hangman beating Swerve on Wednesday to face Joe at Revolution. I feel that Swerve should win. Mm -hmm. But if Hangman wins, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm just going to be a little perplexed. And my big thing is I might be overshooting here, but when Swerve becomes champion, whether it be at Revolution or if they somehow drag this out to double or nothing, for me personally, you know, Hangman being Swerve's first like feud for this title is would be amazing. But then I'm looking farther down the line too. I was like, you have a certain United Empire person mm-hmm. coming in at the end. And honestly... In whatever capacity we get, I think Swerve versus Osprey would be very, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's just my bias because I'm a big fan of Osprey. But 
please AEW do the right thing. Let's wear be your first African American AEW world champion. Like, come on, I feel that it's his time now. Yes, agreed. It's definitely his house. Yes, who's house? <laughs> uh, so we go from someone wanting to make history to someone. I was interested in the way that Tony worded this too. So we get a quick vignette with Timeless Tony Storm, Mariah May, Luther the Butler. I still think this whole gimmick is like the best thing right now and I love it. But we continue to get this thing where Mariah keeps asking Tony if she watched her match. And then Tony said something that kind of was like, hmm. I don't think it was meant to come off this way, but like I was like, yikes. Because Mariah asked Tony if, you know, Tony watched her match from last Saturday. And Tony responds with, my darling, if you've you've seen one woman's match, you've seen them all. I'm like, and then I had a pause. I was like, I can't believe she said that. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. And I might be reading too much into it. But as someone who loves women's professional wrestling, and I don't think Tony meant it as a negative thing. But I'm like, holy crap, girl, you just buried your whole women's division Mm -hmm. (laughs) with one singular statement. I got to admit, Luis, I don't think she's wrong in the context of this either. And this let so this vignette was short, but let's just talk about it. So that specific line, she basically buried the whole AEW mm-hmm. women's roster. Well, I think but she's that's, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the discourse on the Internet in terms of AEW women is that there's nothing new. It's all the same thing. Baby faces are going to win. Heels are going to lose. But when I look at it, I kind of see it as like she's trying her best to put uh, women's wrestling on the map. And, you know, leading back to what Moxley said, it's a controversial statement. Like it's something where it's like, listen, lady, like we're trying to push your company and you're you're burying it. And and that's kind of how I felt like she's using like the stuff from the big machine because they use behind the scenes stuff on television. They use it as a part of the storyline. We're seeing it in another woman with Nia Jax. Nia Jax has been phenomenal since she's come back. She hasn't hurt anybody. She's been a great in-ring performer. She her 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 entire everything has been perfect. She's been she's become one of my favorite superstars in the company. Like I've just been like, wow, I didn't realize that I would become such a big fan of Nia. And that's kind of what I'm seeing when it, uh, when it comes to Tony and Diana. Like the amount of time she talks about her weight, the public workout. Like they're using things that people are poking and prodding Deanna at. And now she uses something that pokes and prods at the whole women's division. And it's like, they're not going to let you dictate this stuff about their women. They're going to say it and they're going to show you how we're wrong. And that's exactly what I'm, I'm seeing here. This is the best version of a Tony storm that we've ever seen going all the way back to Tony time back in like, early before she even joined wwe and uh diana's kind of been this person who i mean she wasn't she wasn't this good in nxt she was kind of like enhancement talent like let's just go out there and you know you can help the other women move up and she slowly became the superstar she was in tna and um i love how they're just like breaking the fourth wall in terms of these storylines and gimmicks uh I don't think it was meant with malicious intent. I think it was meant to it was meant as a dig to the internet wrestling community and it was meant as a dig to you know the rest of the uh 
people that have issues to say with AEW. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think there was any malicious intent from Tony with that line. And I'm kind of glad she said it too, <laughs> as well. Yeah. I was like, you go, Tony. You can you talk about it. And then the only other thing that kind of sets up from this too is, is that I could more and more I see Mariah may start to visibly get frustrated with Tony. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to be an amazing turn eventually when Mariah gets fed up. It's like, look, it's like, don't meet your heroes, kid kind of archetype. And I'm kind of here for this. I'm just hoping now her match last week made me more happier because her debut match is not necessarily my favorite. And I know Mariah May could do more. Her mm, match yes. last week, I was like, okay, this is the Mariah May I know from stardom. Mm-hmm. And honestly, eventually when Mariah kind of goes off to her own, I think her versus Tony would be very fantastic to watch. I think it's going to be so good. Yeah. We're not done with the women quite yet because then we get our s- second women's match of the evening. Red Velvet takes on ROH talent Vert Vixen in a very short match. Very short. I thought this was, yeah, this was, I thought this was fine. Um, I'm a big, I'm happy to see Red Velvet. I've been becoming a bigger fan of her since her return from injury. She's also all over the <laughs> AEW Ring of Honor universe too. It's very interesting because she's more heelish in the EEW programming, but she's more babyface on Ring of Honor, which is very good. And I'm I'm happy to see her pick up some wins here on both shows. She she won this match against Vert Vixen, and then on Ring of Honor this past week, she was the winner in the Four Corners match. Mm-hmm. It had Diamante, Trisha Dora, Kiara Hogan in it, which was also fantastic. My only question now is so. Red Velvet has been racking up this wins, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I would love to have her be in Ring of Honor staple because I feel that she would get utilized better in Ring of Honor than, you know, on Dynamite or Rampage and maybe Collision a little bit. But my next question becomes, what's the next step? Because in Ring of Honor, we have this television champion, women's TV title about to start. And honestly, I think I'm ready to see Red Velvet start to be pushed to, Does for me, it doesn't matter, but some sort of title feud or feud with one of the champions, whether it be Ring of Honor or in the AEW universe. I feel that Red Velvet is start. I think she's ready in terms of being able to slowly start to head that direction. I just, I don't know. That's just me though. Well, I think she's getting her shot next week at Dynamite because she's going to wrestle Tony Storm. So, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's that's the that's the title eliminator match. So I think that's a great way to see how far she's come. So um, I don't think squash matches for the women are beneficial to them because the whole point of the women's division is for us to see that they can hold up to the men. Um, I don't think seeing like a hook style match with the women is very beneficial unless it's somebody like a Nyla Rose where um, she's already been a champion where, you know, it's kind of like, hey, let's... uh, You've already been a champ. Just go out there, squash this girl, and then come, you know, come back. Like, go get that heat. There's really no heat in this. For uh, there's really no heat. This was a. I feel like this was one of those like we're we're short on time. Go out there, hit the backstabber, and uh, win the match quickly because we got to get to the main event. That's what this kind of felt like. Like they might have ran out of time with the amount of segments. There was a lot of promos, a lot of talking on tonight's collision, which. Sometimes it's good because you don't want to have the same exact show every single week with Collision, and typically this is the predominant wrestling show. Uh, Dynamite is typically the promo show, but uh, 
yeah, that's kind of what this felt like. But I'm excited to see her and Tony next week. I wonder which way Tony wins this match or if Deanna's the reason Tony loses this match. So. Yeah. I'm interested to see. I totally forgot that Red Velvet is in the Eliminator match next week, so that answers my question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then we get to our main event, which is a trios match, which shows the patriarchy of Christian Cage, Luchasaurus. I'm not calling him Kill Switch. I don't care what nobody says. You cannot make me do that. Mm-hmm. And Nick Wayne, the prodigy, taking on the team of FT Garcia. This was fantastic Mm -hmm. and this was a match of two tales the first half of this match was the standard wrestling and then it devolved into chaos which i'm a big fan of chaos Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah because then everyone's it turns into a fighting game everyone's spammy moves everyone chaos is happening on the outside i love that they're calling nick wayne's move wayne's world which got a chuckle out of me (laughs) i was like righteous (laughs) yeah but this was fantastic, and honestly, I'm happy that Garcia picked up the win for his team, and Garcia was the one to pin Nick Wayne. Yep. Even if it was quickly, I was like, we gotta do this, and just pinned him for the win. The stare down between him and Christian Cage, though, is what got me most excited about this whole entire thing. I was like, Christian Cage, Daniel Garcia would be fantastic feud. Agreed. I think that Christian needs something like this right now. Danny's been really... Uh, he's been really good in the ring recently, and he's also been showcasing a lot more personality without needing to gyrate. Um, Nick Wayne is there for the sole purpose of taking losses. That's what it's it's clear to me. Uh, Killswitch, I can't call him Killswitch until he changes his mask. You're still wearing the same mask. So what's the point of like we're just supposed to call you something else? I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand there why they did that. Maybe they just wanted him to be taken more seriously. Well, then take your mask off, wrestle without it, pull a cane, whatever. But I don't know. That guy I thought was a lot better than he is. He's really not. He's very botchy. He he waits a lot for spots. I think we had, you know, one, two, three, four, four really good wrestlers, a newbie, and then Luchasaurus was just there. Uh, he's just whatever. But uh, I like what I see out of Nick Wayne. Man, did he take, like, some really nice bumps. This guy knows how to get beat up. Like, it's almost like, I I don't even know. I don't want to say nothing rude. But, you know, he knows how to get his ass kicked, which is very clear. And and it looks so real in the ring. It looks like it hurts. Uh, Yeah, I love the fact that we get a Danny stare down with Christian because Christian needed this. Copeland is doing something. If we're leading back to you guys, what are you supposed to do? Just wait around for Copeland? No, man. Go out there, wrestle Danny Garcia, and then have, uh, you know, have, you know, Cope do his thing, and then eventually you guys get back to one another, and then you wrestle each other at Revolution, which I will be live in the audience for, by the way. Just wanted to say that. I after, know. after the, the soon-to-be tag team champions, Sting and Darby Allen walk in to drop the titles to the Young Bucks. So... <laughs> yeah, it's Sting's oh last my title on his way out. <laughs> I fully expect that win on on uh, this week, guys. Fully expect that win. Oh, absolutely. There's no reason for them not to win this Wednesday and mm-hmm. Dynamite. 
Yeah, we already know the rumor mill has been absolutely insane. Buddy, Malachi, and um, Starks are gone. So there's no need to keep them in, in major things like that. Buddy and Malachi are doing their job on their way out. Let Ricky do his job on his way out. I'm sure Ricky will look at this for the rest of his life as like, dude, I got to help Sting during his last run. Like, how could you not? You know what I mean? How could you not be excited right. about that? That'd be great. So we'll see. It's exciting. It is. I would like Which to say, what, to... what amazing heat would it be if Darby betrays Sting at Revolution and joins <laughs> the Young Bucks? Like, stops the face paint and he just decides, like, he agreed with the Bucks all along. You know what I mean? That like, would be nuts. That, would, that be would be a swerve that I would not be expecting. I don't know if it's going to happen. No, but no. Listen, no. I am open to new ideas, but I feel that I might Darby jump the guardrail. <laughs> fight Darby himself. Yep, I would. I could take Darby. No question. Oh my goodness. That yeah. Be, that would be that would be funny. Mm. But that does bring us to the end of this week's collision. So last thing we got to do, my friend, is rate this using the empanada scale. So what do you give this week's collision? I'm going to give this a solid three empanadas out of five. It wasn't the worst show. It wasn't the best show. It was fine. It was fine for what it was. Uh, not every show can be an absolute banger. Not every show can be, you know, that that beautiful smell of sofrito in the morning. This is just kind of one of those things where uh, I'm very happy that we got three women's segments. We had uh, two matches plus the Tony Storm segment. Very happy about that. I love the fact that Swerve was able to cut the promo he cut. That might have jumped it up more for me. Um, him mentioning, you know, uh, African-American wrestlers from the past that have actually been world champions. And then talking about the significance of what it would be for him to win the title now. I think that is beautiful. It's exciting. Uh, and uh, clearly, I think you and I both agree that Brian versus um hedgy hedgy settles the match of the night so i mean that was phenomenal. hands down like no contest what what i love about collision is you talked you touched on it a little bit earlier that you like seeing representation i agree i feel like collision gives us more representation than any other show in professional wrestling there is Mm. latinos all over the show there's you know um we have people from the lgbtqia community are all over the show uh I love it, man. I, I just, we, you know, we have, you know, uh, people from the black community. It, this show is so inclusive and that's why I love it because it looks like, it's like Ellen Pompeo said about Grey's Anatomy. She loves looking out to the directors and the writers and everything and seeing people that look like everyday life. She doesn't want to just see nothing but white people out there behind the scenes. And that's kind of how I felt about it here. You know, yeah, spoiler alert. I watch Grey's Anatomy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I agree with you. I also give this a three out of five. I had a lot of fun this episode, and that consistently becomes a running theme for me with Collision. Collision of all three AEW shows. I mean, I have a good time on Rampage 2, but between Dynamite and Collision, which are your two shows that are two hours long, Collision ends up being a lot more fun for me every single week. And yeah, three out of five empanadas is great for me too. You made it through another review. I am super excited to continue to review Collision. But if you enjoy what we do here, you can check out other reviews here at the Biconics YouTube podcast. I mean, we're 
diving into the world of live streaming, which has been, you know, a few things. We have a couple of pay-per-view reviews underneath our belt using live stream. It's been a lot of fun. So thank you for all the support for that. If you want to know when reviews and live streams and all the good stuff happen, and if you just want to see me express my frustration through a healthy way by creating wrestling memes, make sure to follow us all over the social medias at BC WrestlePod. And if you, for some reason, if you can't commit to watching our beautiful faces for the reviews, you can take us on the go with you on your favorite podcasting network because now we have audio versions of the weekly reviews as well. So you could take our voices with you to do your homework, to get you through a rough day at work. If you are sitting on the porcelain throne, like we don't care <laughs> as long as yep. you're listening to us in some capacity, we are here for it. Next week, we're going to be back once again for another collision review. But until then, from myself, Luis Adolfo, and the rest of the Biconics boys, remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, stay Biconic. All you guys, gals, non-binary pals, he, she, days, and gays of the internet. We will see you for the next review. But until then, ta-ta for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time.